Good morning, Radiant Life. My name is Patricia. I'm the Kids and Creative Arts Pastor. And we've got a lot of things happening here over the next couple of weeks. So if you haven't already, get ready to mark these things on your calendars. June 17th is our Light Up the Dark 5K Glow Run. If you haven't registered for this event yet and are wanting to do so, you can do that at the radiantlife.church or runsignup.com. Now, if you're not a runner or a walker but are still wanting to participate, we still have volunteer sign-up sheets available out in the lobby. So go scope those out and see how you can get involved. As well, we're still in need of lots of supplies to make this 5K an epic one. Granola bars, water bottles, Dixie cups, milk slash juice slash water slash soda jugs, any and all types will accept. We're using the jugs to help light up the runway. We'll put glow sticks inside of them. So wash them out, bring them back to the church. And speaking of glow sticks, we need all the glow sticks in every area of every place that everybody lives. If you have any other questions about this run, you can go see Pam Carey. As mentioned last week, on Easter Resurrection Sunday, we had an incredible amount of people step forward to dedicate their life to following Jesus. And many have inquired since then about getting baptized. So on June 25th, we are going to hold a baptism service. Circle V on your connection card if you want to be a part of that. Baptism Sunday isn't the only thing happening on June 25th. It's also the kickoff of Radiant Kids Camp. Our Radiant Kids Camp themed Narnia begins on June 25th and will run through June 28th. That is a Sunday through a Wednesday. Parents, if you haven't registered your kids yet, you can register them out in the lobby or you can go to the radiantlife.church, register them there, or you can go to our Facebook Radiant Kids page, find the link and register them there. We are still in need of supplies in order to make Radiant Kids Camp happen. So if you took a slip of paper off the supplies board, if you could bring those supplies in no later than next week, that would be amazing. Also, we still have some slips of paper out there. So if you could scope out what we are still in need of and help donate, that would also be amazing. You can bring all of the supplies into Radiant Life Church throughout the week, or you can bring them on Sunday for smaller supplies. You can put them under the table out in the lobby. For bigger supplies, you can put them in the gym, or for supplies such as the branches and bundles of sticks, you can put them out by the playground, which is behind Radiant Life Church. You'll see that there are some giant tires, so you can put all of those types of supplies there. For those of you who signed up to help during the week of Radiant Kids Camp today, after second service, we're going to have a volunteer meeting just so I can touch base with you, let you know what's going on and what to expect. That way, when you show up on June 25th, you know what's going on and you know what to expect. I'll have food for you to eat, beverages for you to drink, and I promise I won't hold you more than 30 to 40 minutes. For those of you who visit the Radiant Cafe often, you might have noticed that there are donations being taken up for Melissa Andrews. She was in a terrible scooter accident while on vacation in Mexico. She has multiple fractures in her mandible as well as her left hand and left leg. Melissa is self-employed and for that reason, hospital bills are piling up and she doesn't have enough income coming in to help pay for those. Visit our Radiant Cafe whether you are a coffee drinker or not and let's donate and help Melissa get back on her feet. For more information about what's happening here at Radiant Life, you can either scope out your bulletin or you can go to the radiantlife.church, click on the events page and see what's happening. Well, good morning, friends. Hey, good to see everyone here this morning. This uh it's unofficially summer, but everyone's on vacation and camping and all that. But uh, 
Good to see everyone here this morning. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're at church this morning. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm glad to see you too. This morning we get to have a conversation together that kicks off our series, our summer series titled 10, and we are really, I use this word often, but I truly believe in it. We're excited as a church of where, what God's doing and what, where we're going, and I think we got a great summer lined up. I just realized our 5K that we're putting on is this Saturday. So I want to I I mention something to you. The Kids run is at nine, which there's going to be like people dressed up running with them. It's going to be great. The run and slash walk is at 10 o'clock at night. It probably won't get done till 11. Many of us, one of us has to speak in the morning. <laughs> some will have to sing in the morning. Some will have to teach in the kids in the morning. The more help we have the quicker we're done. What I mean by that is we are lining our entire, we have all of Lafayette shut down from the city. We are running down Lafayette from the church over to the middle school, some things at the middle school, running back down Lafayette. We are using those jugs and glow sticks and lighting up, as Patricia said in that video, a runway for us to run. There are a lot of jugs to be picked up afterwards. We need your help, okay? And I know some of you are like, 11 o'clock at night, yeah, right. I'm with you, <laughs> but it's for, the, it's for our community, okay? So if you're interested in sign up, please, please stop by there, sign up. And for the rest of the summer, uh, you know, we have Radiant Kids Camp, we have NTS for our teenagers that are going down to Taylor University in July, but we're going to be on our teaching series 10. It's going to take us 11 weeks to get done. At the end of the 11 weeks, we're going to have a guest speaker by the name of Dr. Joanne Lyons. She used to be our head honcho of our denomination, as we are a Wesleyan church. She has been all over the world. She has been with meeting with President Barack Obama in the Oval Office. She was um, invited to sit down with about four to six other people into the Oval Office with him to talk about the state of our country. And so she is coming at the end of August to speak to us. I can't tell you how big of a deal this actually is. She doesn't go to many churches and speak. It's a big deal she's coming here to Radiant Life. So please invite your friends. <laughs> Always invite friends anyways, it's good. But that is going to be an awesome day for us. Uh, it's a privilege to have her because, again, she does not go around and speaking in church as much. She's got a southern accent, which is awesome because... You know, it's like, you know, when you, when you go to a place and they have that accent, you're just kind of more drawn to them, especially if they got an Irish accent, right? Those, those are fun. But uh, she's going to be awesome. And then in the fall, we're going to do a five to seven weeker, depending on what I choose, of all about the puzzle by the Bible. We're going to put the entire Bible together, cover, front cover to back cover, just exploring how to 66 individual books make one giant story. And we're going to put everything together. So hopefully then you will have a deeper passion for God's Word in your life. It's going to make sense from, from front to back. You will walk away more appreciated of the Bible. And then we're going to launch into some fun things in the fall after that that are going to be huge momentum steps for our church 
and building expansions. And we'll get into that in the fall, but it's going to be awesome. But this morning, are you ready to jump into 10? All right, five of you. Let's uh, walk with the five, right? One matters. Even though five are ready, I'll go. All right? I want to ask you a question, though, as we start. It's the unofficial start to summer. We normally say after Memorial Day, uh, it's kind of summerish, right? Even though June, what, 21st or 22nd is the official day of summer. But how many of you have either been in a long car ride with kids or you were a kid and you were in a long car ride? Yeah. And you know the famous thing that a kid says is what? Oh, yeah. You know that. You've said it. You've heard it. And are we there yet? So picture a family traveling with four kids. 10, 11 hours they've been traveling. They're ready to get to the hotel because they need their kids just to stretch, just to relax. They need to hit a pool and let them just breathe for a little bit. They get to the hotel. First question they ask is not, are rooms available, but do you have a pool? And then are rooms available? They have a pool, a room's available. They get there, and you know when you see any pool, there's signs and rules. Do, 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 don't, 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 don't. We've all seen it, right? We've been to pools, community pools, any hotel pools. There's signs and rules. We all have those pool rules. We know them. I, got, I grabbed a picture off of uh, online, and uh, I don't know what it says. It's obviously foreign. But uh, I grabbed it online, and these are some pool rules, right? Take a shower before going to the pool. We, we get that, right? Uh, have an adult with you as a child. Throw away your stuff. We don't want trash around. Hey, no running because you could slip. Don't swim at night. Not a good idea. Don't dive. <laughs> or leprosy. I mean, if you have leprosy, don't come in our pools. I don't know what that one is. And no glass or alcoholic beverages at the pool. We know the pool rules because it makes sense. It makes sense. The pool's only three feet deep. Don't dive. Don't have glass everywhere because everyone at a pool is barefoot running around and they could get cut on their feet. So we don't want broken glass anywhere. Sometimes we can think rules as being extremely ridiculous. But oftentimes rules are there for a reason. Because the fun ends when someone gets lacerated by broken glass. The fun ends when a person tries diving and they break their vertebrae. And now they're paralyzed. See, some rules we can make fun of. That's a ridiculous rules. But others, we know rules are there for a reason. And we open up the biblical text and we get through book one, which is Genesis, the entire beginning of creation and how everything is started by God. And then we immediately get to book two already. We just barely touch the surface of God's word and we get ten a list of 10 rules immediately from the get-go, and you're like, why are they there already? Things of, have no other gods before me. Don't make an image out of me. Uh, what else do we have? We have, don't misuse my name. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Oh, by the way, honor your father and mother. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, also known as don't lie and do not covet. And from the get-go, you're thrown with a bunch of rules. And I want to take this summer 
And today's going to be the flyover. And for the next 10 weeks, we're going to unpack these commandments together. We want to ask the question, what are they doing there in the first place? Why these 10? God could have chosen 5, 12, 30 rules, commandments, but he chose 10, and these specific 10. We want to know why are they written, why are they there, and how 3,000 plus years later, how does it shape and reframe us today? So we're going to dive in, look into that. And if you want, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. That's where we're going to be there this morning. But I have abbreviated the list of 10 real quick for us. Exodus chapter 20, but here's the list of the 10 commandments, these 10 rules that are given to God's people. No other gods, no graven images, don't misuse the Lord's name. That one is going to be really fun to unpack. Keep the Sabbath holy. The only one that God says, remember the Sabbath. As if God knows we would forget number four all the time. Then he goes on, honor your father and mother. <laughs> Think that's hard? It's hard as a kid, but what about as an adult when your parents are now ailing, getting sicker and sicker? Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. Those are what we call the big ten given to God's people. But over 3,000 plus years ago, this meant everything to them. But how does it reshape us 3,000 years later? And then here's a, here's a picture of your Older Testament. This is where the commandments are found. They're found in the second book, Exodus, and it's found in the fifth book, Deuteronomy. I believe chapter 5 is where the 10 are listed as well. So two places in the Older Testament of God's Word. Genesis, again, is the beginning. Exodus, Exodus means to exit. So immediately you know just by the word of the chapter of the book, Immediately you know something significant is happening here. Leviticus, if you're a new believer, don't start reading there, all right? <laughs> There's so many other great places to go to. This is a great book, but you're going to be there and go, uh, what? <laughs> I got to do this when I get a scab and when I get a bruise, and I got to do this when my animal dies, and it's just... It was for the people. They understand it better than we do, but there's significant stuff. Just don't start there, okay? And then you got numbers. Guess what's in the book of numbers? <laughs> right? This isn't rocket science. This is a bunch of numbers. Great book also. And then Deuteronomy. Again, these first five books of the Older Testament is what's referred to as the law. So anytime in the Newer Testament Jesus is speaking about the law, he's referring to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And again, by the age of 12, you would have these five memorized by heart. Yeah, that's impressive, right? Impressive. So we find these 10 big list of rules in these two books, Exodus and Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Exodus this morning. But I want to show you a map of where this all happens. Here you have Egypt, and you can see the greenery. The greenery is where the Nile River is. So you've got the Nile River running up through Egypt, and this is the Nile Delta where the, the river just kind of fingers out everywhere. That's why it's so fertile there. And then the, the, God's people has been slave for 430 years here. Every day, 
brick after brick after brick after brick. 24 hours, seven days a week, working and working and working. Generation after generation after generation. Your great-grandparents were slaves. Your grandparents were slaves. Your mom and dads were slaves, and now you're slaves. Four generations of slavery here. And God's going to use a guy by the name of Moses to bring them out of this land of slavery. And they're going to spend 40 years here on the Sinai Peninsula, in the desert and in the wilderness. And they're going to encounter God. And this is where God is going to give them the 10 big commandments. And eventually they'll make their way into the land of Canaan, which is present day Israel. This is the promised land that God has promised for his people to dwell there. It's also known as the land flowing with what? Milk and honey. You often ask yourselves, why did God choose here? The promised land. Why there? If you know anything about trade routes, you've got Egypt. It is a huge empire. It swings up into Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. You have Greece, and then you have Rome. If you were in Greece or Rome or present-day Turkey, Asia Minor, in order to come to Egypt, if you didn't have boat, you came by land. And the only way to get to Egypt or back up to Greece and Rome is through Israel. God says, I'm putting my people in the major traffic of all the ancient world. And they are going to bear my message to them. I tell you what, God's smart. God's smart. Here is where we pick up in our story. And here, for 430 years in Egypt, here's a picture of an Egyptian gods, three gods that they worshipped on this papyrus. You have Geb, which is the god of the earth. He's down dep depicted down low. You have Shu, the goddess of the sky, and she is holding up Nut, which is the goddess of the stars and atmosphere. And she is holding up Nut so Nut doesn't come crashing down on Geb. So when they worship creation in Egyptian culture, they were worshiping three different gods, and the rest of these were just worshipers of those gods. 430 years, they've been indoctrinated with this kind of worship. They have over, the Egyptians have over 100 gods in their belief system. And for 430 years, you're working every day brick by brick by brick. And this is what you see all the time, how they worship. And when we look at the Ten Commandments, we've got to put on the lens of 430 years of Egyptian culture. Because the whole exodus was God trying to get Egypt out of his people. And they exit Egypt, not as an orderly group of God followers. They exit Egypt into the land, into the wilderness, into the desert, as an unruly mob of ex-slaves. This is why God immediately begins his commandments, have no other gods before me. Because for 430 years, you've seen hundreds of gods in your system that you were surrounded. And don't make, second command, don't make an image of me. Because their gods, they had idols all over the place in all their temples and shrines. You saw it all. 
And God's first two, no other gods, don't create an image of me. And with these 10 commandments that we're going to unpack all summer, you know what I find? Is the Israelites had a hard time following them. And so do we. See, it's really easy to follow rules when it's in our favor. It's easy. But when the rules are not in our favor and they don't benefit us, it's really difficult to follow them. A white lie here. I know I'm going to get in trouble, but man, a white lie can just get me out of this trouble. And right now, it's more beneficial for me to just to lie and break this rule. So we lie. So we get out of it. Or, you know what, that thing in my company's closet, that thing has been there for months. They don't need it. It's just sitting there, it's wasting. I could use it at home. So why don't I just take it home with me? Do not steal. They won't know. It's just been sitting there, it's useless. They will not know. I can just take, and we can justify breaking the Ten Commandments. We're really good at that. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, this is how God begins his conversation with those freed people. He begins this way. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of what? This is the way he starts. He doesn't jump right into the rules. He's reminding the Israelites, you are rescued I'll get to the rules in a minute, but I want you to know who I am. I am your rescuer, I am your deliverer, I'm your liberator, I'm your redeemer. First and foremost, you need to know you are rescued. And then the rules will come. You need to know that I'm your God who brought you out of Egypt 430 years, brick after brick after brick. I'm the one who brought you out of there. You need to know who I am, and you need to know who you are. You are no longer a slave. You are free. These are delivered people. And if there's anything we get from the get-go, the very first verse that leads us into the Ten Commandments, he doesn't start with rules. He starts with your identity and who he is. Church, we need to know that it's rescue first, rule second. Rescue what? Rules, one more time, rescue, rules. Sometimes don't we do the opposite with people? Hey, as soon as you get your act together and you follow A, B, and C and get your stuff together, then I will come to you. Then I will come and share Jesus with you. You know, you can't even step in church yet. You've got an A, B, and C, and God immediately from the get-go, he says, no, 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 I need you to know you are rescued. I'll get to the rules. But know who you are first. You are rescued people. You are delivered people. It's all about relationship first, rule second. And for some of us, we've had that moment where we're in that delivery room and that awful delivery process. Which I'm going to ask God, like, God, why did you choose delivery that way? Like, you are God. You can do any just, I kind of like the stork thing. Like, <laughs> that's why I'm not God, right? And, uh, but as a mom or dad, 
Can you hold your child for the first time? There's a grandma or a grandpa, and you're holding your child, and you say, it's grandpa, it's grandma. And you're holding your niece or nephew for the first time, and you're like, it's aunt so-and-so, and it's uncle so-and-so. You immediately begin that relationship first. You tell them who they are. You tell them who you are. You tell them how much you love them. Not one time do we ever say, okay, son, these are the rules you must follow now in our household. You don't start that way. You start with relationship first. And this is the way God's starting his people. It's rescue first, rule second. And you need to know who you are. You are rescued, you are delivered, you are liberated. You are rescued, you are delivered, you are liberated. You are rescued, you are delivered, you are liberated. 430 years of slavery is gone. You need to know who you are now. But how do we even get here first? Well, in Exodus chapter 3, we're told this is what God sees and hears. It says this in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7. I have indeed what, friends? I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have what? I've heard them crying out. I have seen and I have heard you all in your misery crying out to me. Because all these Egyptian gods that you have been surrounded, they're just idols, they're figmentations of your, of your mind. I am a God who is alive and I've seen and i heard my people crying out. And then God says this, I have come down to what? Rescue See, in Egyptian culture, as you worshiped your God of your choice, whether it's Hek, the God of Frog, or whether it's Hopus, the God of the Bull, whether it's Net, or Noob, or Shu, or Oris, or Isis, whatever God you choose, you had to work to get in favor with that God. And this is the God that says, no, 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 I've seen, I've heard your cry, and I'm coming down to rescue you. And God is still doing the same today. That he came down with the blood of Jesus Christ on that cross for you and for me. To redeem us, to deliver us, to liberate us. To redeem us, to deliver us, to liberate us. And this is a God that says, I'm not going to allow you to keep suffering. I see and I hear your crying. And for some of us today, we enter a space like this. You're just saying, God, are you even there? My life feels like it's turned upside down. My son or daughter are on their own path. They're not following you anymore. My marriage is in the tank. My kids are rebelling. I can't stand my boss or coworkers. I can't even stand my job. God, are you even there? Church, I need you to know something. God always hears the cry of the oppressed. God always hears the cry of the oppressed. And to the Hebrew people that were enslaved for 430 years, God says, I have seen and I have heard your crying and I'm coming to rescue you. And once God uses Moses to get them out of Egypt and on their way to the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, God says, now that you are out of the slavery, I need to tell you something. 
you are rescued. You are free. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave. And 2,000 years or so later, Jesus enters the scene. And Jesus comes, and people didn't understand Jesus. He was radical in his thinking. The religious leaders didn't like him because he was talking about a new kingdom, and he's the fulfillment of the law, and they had the 613 rules to abide by, and Jesus is breaking them, and they're like, no, 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 you, can't, you, and you claim to be the Son of God, and you're the Messiah, yeah, right. And they didn't understand who Jesus was. And they executed him on the cross. And three days later, Jesus is walking in victory. And all Jesus says is, I need you to know God is still coming and rescuing you. And all your hurt and all your pain and all your doubt and all your shame and all your guilt and your past and everything that you carry, God is here. Jesus can set you free. All you have to do is receive it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn more, God, more of God's love. He loves you with everything you have, all the baggage, all your past, everything. He hears your cry. And this is the way the Ten Commandments begin. Before the rules, I need to remind you who you are. And then Jesus in the Gospel of Luke Jesus is going to state this about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim what, friends? He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Jesus is using slavery language. The same language that God used when he delivered the, or the Israelites for 430 years of slavery. This is what I've come to do. And I'm not done. I'm a God who has seen and I'm a God who hears my people who are oppressed, who are in pain, who are hurting, who are suffering. I've came down to rescue you. And then a guy by the name of Paul who hated Jesus, voted to execute Christians. If you were a Christian, a follower of Jesus in the first century world, you were fearful of this guy named Paul. When Paul got to your city, you knew more than likely there's going to be executions. Paul had that experience with Jesus. He became a follower of Jesus, set his heart on fire for who he is, went around all the ancient world, planting churches everywhere. First generation followers of Jesus and he writes to a group of early believers in the church of Galatia, which we have the letter is Galatians. And in chapter 4 of Galatians, Paul writes this. Remember, he's writing to a group of Jesus followers. He says, you are no longer a... One more time, you are no longer a... You're no longer a slave. See the people in Galatia? Even though they're following Jesus, they still believe they're slaves. And so many of us today, we still feel like our past, we're a slave to our past, we're a slave to our guilt, we're a slave to our shame. And Paul's writing and reminding them, you are no longer a slave, but God's what? You're not a slave, but you're a child. 
You're a cherished daughter of your heavenly Father. You are an adored son of your God. He says, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You are royalty in God's eyes. And there are things in our past you could sit here and say, but Ryan, you have no idea what's in my past. I have dirt. It is horrible. I'm telling you right now, God cherishes you, God loves you, and God adores you. You are his. And you can enter his family. You bring nothing, but God has brought everything. I heard a, a story last night. This is a real story. And um, there's this gal that was um, Catholic. She went to a Catholic church. And the church that she attended had the archbishop attend her church as well. And she had been receiving like these dreams or visions that she thought was from God. And she just needed clarity. She needed someone to say, am I really receiving these things or not? Is this real? Is this from God? Is this just, am I just dreaming? And the archbishop had a conversation with her, real story. And through the conversation, the archbishop decided, let's put this to the test a little bit. Next time you have a dream or vision and you're with Jesus, will you ask him and come back and report to me, but ask him, what is the last thing I said in confession? She goes, oh, okay. Days pass and she goes back a week later. Of course, the archbishop wants to know, right? Like, <laughs> uh-oh, what did I say? <laughs> he finds her. She has a big grin on her. He said, so, what happened this past week? She said, I had that dream or vision again. I said, but did you ask what I said at my last confession? She said, I, I, I asked Jesus. So he's, he's like, okay, what do you say? She said, Jesus told me he doesn't remember. Church, you're not a slave. You're his child. And God is here to deliver us, to redeem us, to free us. You walk around as royals. It's the God that loves you so much. And Paul isn't done yet. Paul's going to write to the church in the region of Ephesus. There's a city called Ephesus. It's the fourth largest city in the ancient world. It's the largest port city. It is so pagan. Paul tries. Paul's always wanting to go to Ephesus. I want to go there. I want to go there. Because he realizes how pagan. He's like, I got to start a church there. They need to know Jesus. They have to go. And the first missionary trip Paul takes, he wants to go there. But God's got other plans and God moves him over here. The second trip, he finally gets to go there. And this is so pagan that when you walked your kids to school, you walked by the temple that worshipped the goddess of sex. And they did some horrific acts in this temple. You knew what they were doing in there as an act of worship to this goddess. And you had to bring your kids by them every single day to school. And as you went to work, you walked by this temple. 
And Paul says, I got to get the message of Jesus here. These people are living in this slavery that they have no idea. And Paul writes, and we have the book of Ephesians, six short chapters. The first three are all about your identity in Jesus. Rescue first. Chapters four through six are all about the boundaries to live in. Rescue first, rule second. And here's how Paul wraps up the first three letters by telling the people who they are in Jesus. And he says this. What Jesus has done to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. You'll never understand it. But the one thing you do know is that you are a child of God. You are rescued. And this is the way the writer of Exodus begins the Big Ten Commandments. I like to call them more like commitments. To live within these bounds, but know this, you are rescued. You are rescued. For whatever reason, we're just really good at having a tape recorder in our hand and hitting replay of all of our mistakes and past failures, all of our shame and guilt. We sit there with the tape recorder hitting replay, replay, replay. Stop doing that. You are rescued. You are free. You are loved. You are forgiven. Walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. I want to close with one last look at the one verse that set up this whole series again. Can we read this together, friends? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. One more time. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We have Egypts in our lives. Things that we just feel like we are enslaved to. God saying, you are rescued, you are delivered. You're rescued, you're delivered. Let's close our eyes. I want you to imagine with your eyes closed just having a conversation with God. Whether you're just in a boat with Him, you're at Lake Michigan looking at a beautiful sunset, God's right next to you. Or rather, you're just at a table having coffee. Just imagine God saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
I love you. I cherish you. I adore you. Walk in freedom. You are a cherished daughter. You are an adored son. I love you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer with still our eyes closed. Because there's some of us this morning that we've just been, I don't know this God. I want to be delivered. And there's others of us that are saying, I've known God, but I've walked into the land of slavery and I feel like I'm stuck. We just say this prayer quietly in your heart. Just repeat after me in your heart. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me when I feel so unlovable. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to rescue me. And this morning, I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust into you, Jesus, as my personal Savior, my personal rescuer. And I believe that that tomb is empty, and I can walk in victory. And I'm no longer a slave. But this morning I'm called your beloved child. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me into your family. With all eyes still closed, I know many of you, you said that prayer and you meant it. What I love to do is when we've made an internal decision deep down inside of our heart and we mean it with everything, there's something special about doing an external motion of something that just happened to you. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Whether you surrendered your life to the first time and said, I just need, I needed God, I needed to be delivered. Or whether you were saying, I've been in the land of slavery and I'm ready to get out. Will you just shoot your hand up on the count of three? One, you are loved. Two, you are a cherished daughter. You are an adored son. Three, will you just shoot your hand up? Yes, I see your hand. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see. Yes. Any more? Yes, Father. Any more? You are loved. You are cherished. You are delivered. You are set free. Yes, Father. I see your hand. Yes. Anyone else? Father God, there's a party right now in heaven. Because your family just got bigger. God, we can't thank you enough for coming and rescuing us. Rescue first, rule second. So God, may we always be reminded that we are no longer slaves. You've seen, you've heard our cry, and we can walk in freedom now. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your mighty, awesome name. All right, ushers, you may come forward at this time.
Now's a good time to grab that connection card at the bottom of your hand out there that you received this morning. You can drop that in the plate. And uh, you first-time guests, welcome to Radiant Life again. Take yours to Radiant Cafe if you would like for free drinks on us, or you can drop it off in the offering plate. That's well and dandy as well. For those of you that made that commitment to Jesus, you can mark it on your card on the back side because we want to be praying for you, uh, not just to bombard you with things. We promise we will not do that, but we want to get those names and uh, be praying for you specifically this week, so it would be awesome. And uh, don't forget baptism in two weeks, okay? So many of you may want to take that step. But we've got, we're going to close with one more song, but let's pray for the offering, and then uh, let's continue to worship. Father God, we just thank you so much that we can be called a child of God, that we're no longer a slave, that we can stand and worship you in freedom. Pray for this offering as it goes out as an act of worship, God. Will you bless both the gift and the giver? Will we just see your kingdom expand, not only here in these four walls, but well beyond into our communities? May we be a light for you, Jesus. May we be the church that's a city on the hill that's shining brightly for all to see. We ask this in Jesus' name. Awesome, awesome. Hey, friendly reminder, if you're a volunteer for the Radiant Kids Camp, there's a meeting right in the gym right after here. There'll be some snacks. Hey, I hope that whether you're kicking the tires with Jesus or you've been walking with Jesus for a while, that you really sensed his presence today. I pray that it fanned your flame today. Awesome. Hey, see, oh, hey, next week, you know how Pastor Ryan loves to use pop. Just saying, just a little hint. See you next week.